You know, my favorite stuff of yours is uh, Tom Segura. <laughs> I actually don't know who the hell you are. I was hoping you were, you were Tom. Yeah, I and know. I saw you and I was like, oh, it's the, other, it's the fat guy. It's Shit. the fat guy. <laughs> uh, not the smart, funny guy. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with your new series um, because happiness is like my brand. I, I, I deal in happiness. I look for happiness. I find ways to maximize happiness. Okay. And hap- and I was thinking about it today when I was getting in my cold plunge, thinking about you. Nice. I thought, I, it's one of the things that gets me really happy. It forces happiness on me. And I think by submission, um, I, I, find, I, found pure, I find pure joy in writing jokes. Like pure joy. When I was in college, I'm going to let you talk at one point in this interview. When I was in college, I wrote my first jokes. Very stupid. It was about... Uh, uh, Paul, uh, the the um, Battle of Bunker Hill, and the, and the okay. guy you got pitching. All right, we're gonna wait until we see the whites of their eyes, and then I just thought, what if someone was like, that seems really close, <laughs> and they were, and he was like, what do you mean? He's like, what if we like belt buckles, and everyone's like, yeah, belt buckles, and then one guy was like, well, hold on, what if the, what if one guy's not wearing a belt buckle? Does that mean we don't shoot him? He's like, all right, hold on, okay, all right, I know where you're going with this. Why nice. is it their socks? And he goes, no, because then they just pull their pants. So, and I made myself giggle. I never made myself giggle. I never g- just internally found a reason to laugh. Yeah. And I thought I was going crazy. And then I got into comedy and I went, oh, no, this is this is the thing. This is my thing. Yeah. It's just pure joy. And That's great. You want to hear my first joke? Please. I've written like eight jokes in my life. Yeah. Here's my first one. Women, you can't live with them. You can't live within them. It's an adverb joke, really, when you think about it. That's it. That's all I got. I'm not a comedian, Bert. I'm not a comedian. You're the you're you've made me you've made people. I'm one of the world's greatest actors, but I'm not a comedian. You are so good. I'm so good. You are so good. You are so good. You're not as physically intimidating as I thought you would be. I, I thought, thought you'd be you'd taller. Be... I thought you'd be taller. I'm 6'2", bro. I thought you were going to be 6'7". Wow. The, the Icelandic That's guy. how big I loom in your imagination. When you guys were naked staring over the coast, I went, yeah. he's a large man. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big... Dari, the guy I'm in the, the scene yeah. with, he's even, he's even bigger. But I feel like I could take you. You definitely could. I feel like I could take you. I think you could. I, you, you've got the brawn, but I think I'm on I'd testosterone. Be... You are? Yeah. yeah, I do too. I, I put it in my in my nose. Wait, for real? Yeah, because I was on testosterone. It was like pills and then they didn't work well. And then I had like ointment and I rubbed it like on, down around my taint. Yeah. And then um, and then I was trying the shots for a while, but I don't like injecting. I love injecting. Now, do you do self-injection? I do you have self-injection. your wife do it. My wife won't do it. I have my trainer. Your, I do your, my trainer will do my left side every every now and then, but I love doing it. You you do it in your buttock. In my in my buttock. And my second question is: You have a trainer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a trainer. Okay, and then, but then I got this stuff, and you put this morning. I put a little tube up my nose, and I injected a little testosterone yeah. and deep into like my that? sinuses. Yeah, oh, it's an ointment. I love it. Because I got low T. I got very low T. I got low T. I'm in my mid fifties, you know. No, you're not. I'm in my mid fifties. For real? For real. How old were you when you were shooting the office? 
Well, that's the weird thing because I always looked younger. I think because I was a little chubby and weird looking, I always looked way younger. So people always thought like Dwight and Jim are like the same age. Yeah. But when I started shooting the office, I think I was 39. So most of the office, I was in my 40s. God, how lucky are you that you got to be a grown up and hit success? I, dude, the, the blessings, thanks, thank the universe. It's, I'm so seriously hashtag blessed around that. I mean, I was a struggling actor for so fucking long. You have really? no idea. So 15 years into being a professional actor, I booked the office, 15, 16 years into it. You know, we all read for Dwight, all of us. You? Like, of course, of course. I, no, I did so bad. I watched her move my headshot to the other pile in my in the middle of my read i remember it was over it was over uh the i, I mean I, I wish i could remember exactly where it was but i remember the office i remember the exact office uh joel McHale's headshot was in there yeah and he was reading for jim i think reading for yeah. jim yeah and i ended up and i ended up selling her on joel McHale. oh I, you should go with joel i know you know yeah. what i said is i go you know because he was just doing soup at the time and and joel and i had done I had a deal at Budweiser for a sitcom. It's really bizarre. But we had done some sketches together to try to help sell the deal. And he was really fucking funny. And I said, you know, that guy right there, Joel McHale, he's actually a, be a better actor than he is host. And she went, for real? And I went, yeah. And I watched her move his headshot to, to the, the goat pile. pile. And I went, motherfucker, <laughs> how am I doing this for myself? That's fantastic. But you know, but so Joel and I both went to University of Washington and we were there around the same time. I didn't know him then, but I've known him, the dude, for a super long time. Yeah. yeah. Same fantasy football league. Really? Um, awesome guy. You know, he was a walk-on tight end at the University of Washington Huskies. It's called white privilege. I'm well aware of his history. Oh, is that <laughs> how it worked? <laughs> Joel's the fucking, I did an episode with Joel. What I, are they cooking down there? It smells so good. Is that just, part of your cooking show? Uh, are no. they sampling recipes for those watching? There is an aroma of like teriyaki or something yeah, coming uh, up upstairs in the podcast lounge. They uh, it, it, this house has become a place where everyone is just out living, and so everyone's it, you, the, every, as soon as the kitchen showed up, it was like it's like a, a second home. We actually have a person living in the back house. Yeah, that's fantastic. I feel like I need to crash here sometime. Uh, by all means, yeah. wait. What so, were we talking about? Auditioning uh, for the office. Wait, but so wait, so wait. How like? How successful were you before you got on The Office? Like, um, So there was one role I did before The Office that I was uh, a recurring role on the show Six Feet Under on HBO. Yeah. Uh, and I did 13 episodes of this weird mortician named Arthur that was having an affair with the mom. Mm -hmm. So he was like in his like supposedly like 20s and this mortician intern and screwing the mom. And um that kind of that's when everyone was watching HBO. I mean, like Sopranos was on, The Wire yeah. was big, like Sex in the City and Entourage. And so that got me a lot of attention and notoriety. And I wouldn't have gotten the office had I not gotten the role on Six Feet Under. Were and that's how it works. Were in you showbiz. nervous going into audition for Dwight? Or were you like confident? No, I, I I this is gonna sound really cocky, but when I read, I saw the English office, it was a huge fan. I loved. I loved it. I loved it. So it. brilliant. I, I discovered it. I discovered it way like like right at the beginning, and was a fan of Ricky Gervais's podcast. Yeah, I was love, I, and I was so good. And I was like, I, I mean, I, and I remember being like, "How are they going to tether that?" That's why it was so. It's, it really is very different than the, your character you made. Yeah, I mean, you really, you really well, put I, a, your own thumbprint. You made it an American character. Yeah, like I, a really an American. I character. stole the best bits that 
that he did, that Mackenzie Crook did for for Gareth, the English, my English counterpoint. Had a really bad haircut. I loved the way he took himself very serious and how how many of the the, the funniest things about Gareth was saying the most ridiculous things with absolute confidence and without even a whiff of like, oh, I'm telling a joke. Yeah. And I was like, that that is brilliant. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, but I, I, this is going to sound cocky, but when I I saw the English office, I read the sides of the office. They didn't have a script. And I was like, this is my role. There, there's no wow. one else that can play this character that knows this character better than me. This is 100% my role. They should give it to me. I knew I was fortunate. I knew the casting director. I was the first person to audition for the office. I was really? literally day one, number one. I have the call sheet in my office. I have it framed yeah. on my desk. And I was number one coming in. I read for Michael and Dwight. I was terrible as Michael. I just did a bad Ricky Gervais impersonation. I, anyways, we don't need to go into that. But I just was like, just give me the role. Just and... I rarely, I never think that way, you know, but this was like, he, he was so, so naturally weird and, and, uh, and he was kind of like part white trash and part bully and part nerd and self-serious. And it was like, I can just, I can do this, my wheelhouse a hundred percent. And then I auditioned and then it was like, okay, there's, you're going to be called back, but we don't know when that is. It was like three months later, four months later. They auditioned. I mean, that was like, that was probably the hottest property in Hollywood because yeah. everyone was in love with the other one. Yeah. And I remember, I remember, I wish I had paid more attention, but the casting room for that was pretty fucking stacked. Yeah. I mean, like every, every, everyone was Adam Scott auditioned. Like even on this, this, on this list where you sign in as an actor, like the, 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 the talent on that list is insane. Insane. And yeah. and it was, and, and it's crazy because who did the casting? That person, Allison Jones. Allison Jones yeah. des deserves a nod because oh. that was the brilliant. I remember watching the first episode because I mean, like everyone knew that everyone was like, "This is a big hype," and it delivered. I mean, it delivered. Like even, and I hate to say this, I know that people are self conscious stuff, but like Steve Carell's hair was thinning at the time, mm -hmm. and it was combed. I mean, this is how much I remember it. Yeah, it was combed back, and yeah. you can see the thinningness of it. Yeah. And I was like. Oh, I love it. I loved everything about it. And I was like, yeah. and and I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll say this honestly, I was in love with the with your and Jim character the, that that really sold the show for me mm -hmm. in the in the other one in the British office, and it fucking killed it. It killed. Oh, thanks. It. Yeah. It was such. What's it like to be a part of something that is so iconic? I I don't know if you saw it. I did. I posted on Instagram. Yesterday, I was flying back from Boston, taking my son on a college tour, which is weird. Oh, but um, oh, wait, so you're allowed to go on those? Because I'm not allowed to go on those. Why? Oh, because I ruined the fucking college for my daughters. How? Because I'm me. And then people are like, oh, Bert, the machine, the machine's daughter's going here. Shut the fuck up. Oh, we're going to party our ass off. Hi, I'm. And then they, they're like, I no longer want to go to Boulder. I, I am capable of going under the radar. I'm low not. key. I put a mask on. Like, oh. like as I'm really scared of COVID, but the mask is perfect for celebrity travel. That's fucking brilliant. So I just go everywhere in a mask. And then uh, what's happening here? Oh, you're, going, pulling up oh your... you're pulling up the Insta story from yesterday. Can you do that? So I'm sitting on the airplane. They'll put this in the editing. 
This guy, the entirety of the flight, five hours, is watching The Office. He has no idea. Shut the fuck up! I'm sitting next to him. Shut the fuck up! Yeah, the whole time, the whole time, I'm trying not to get noticed here. That is fucking <laughs> hilarious. And uh, the uh, and then at the very end, I go, "Hey, uh, notice you're watching that show a lot." And he's like, "Yeah, I love it. Show must my favorite show." I'm like, "Oh, cool. I've never seen it. Tell me about it. Is it worth seeing?" And he's like, "Oh, it's great." And it and as he's talking, I'm like, "Uh huh." And I'm slowly taking my mask off and listening and. It takes him a full minute, and I'm and I'm like, yeah, I heard of it. He goes, well, you know, it starts slow. You know, the first few episodes are not so good. You got to stick with it. I'm like, oh, they're not so good, yeah. really. The first season, yeah. not so good, really. And right in the middle of saying that, he goes, oh my god, oh my god, and he and he totally loses his shit. Oh, that's great. And uh, it was really, it was really fun. So we got a nice. That was a nice connection. God. But every airplane I'm on, there's it's oh. just playing on the screens everywhere. So the 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 origin of this was your question about like, dude, let's get real. Like making any kind of career where you're able to pay your bills as some kind of actor or performer is a fucking miracle. Yes. Right. Yes. Even just to pay half of your bills by acting and Ubering half part time is a miracle. It's so hard to make a living. Yeah. And then to get. On a TV show is like any TV show, even just the shittiest TV show. Like, what's that MTV show where they- Die Code? Ridiculous or- Ridiculousness. Yeah. Like, even if you're on, like, ridiculousness, yeah. like, you are blessed by the gods that you are on that piece of crap, yeah. right? For yeah. 18 years. Chanel East Coast, Ooh. right? Shelly's so, coast is hot as shit. <laughs> she's, she's hot as fucking shit. Okay. You're talking about Stilo Brim. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Lucky, so lucky. And then and then any show, right? And then a show that like uh goes any any length that has any legs to yeah. it, like multiple seasons, then that's a huge deal. Yeah. And then like the creme de la creme is like it's it's it not only does it go a super long time, but then the quality is really high. And then, and there are shows that gone a long time and the quality is high, but they've been forgotten for the most part. Like yeah. everyone loves Raymond. I, I think everyone loves Raymond is one of, is one of the great comedies of all time. Mad about, about you. But people aren't talking about no him. Talking about about no one's rewatching. Everybody loves Raymond. My daughters rediscovered the office yeah. through TikTok. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're like, yo, what is this? And I was like- Oh, because they're seeing the funny little they're clips. They're just seeing the funny little clips. They started there, yeah. And, and they're like, what is this? I go, it's a gateway it's drug. But 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 then to get on a show that has a, a, a cultural resonance and that people, it, it, it profoundly moves them and they talk about how much joy it's brought them and how it's uplifted their lives and brought people together. And they're so grateful that the show exists. Like I am so profoundly lucky to have been just in the right place at the right time. I was just starting to heat up as an actor right when I got cast in this amazing showrunner, Greg Daniels and Steve Carell, one of the great American comedy actors of all time, of all time. like leading the show. Like I was so fortunate to and get on to, that. And you got to be there. I mean, and then like, there's the things that I, I, I go like from my perspective, I go, and you're with Steve Carell before his huge movie career. So you're getting like, you, you really got to, like you got to know the guy, yeah, right? Yeah. You're with BJ Novak, Mindy Kaling, all these people where, where it's their first, um, um, David Koechner is coming in to do guest sets. Patrice yep. was on it. Yep. Uh, Craig Robinson. These are guys that are like all, it's all your first like 
first couple seasons with the team before you start winning championships. You all win championships together. And then all of you go on to have amazing careers, amazing careers where you get to do what you want. I, I don't, I don't think, I think idealists in this business can, can definitely look at a career like mine and go, oh, you worked for Travel Channel? But they don't realize, you're right, just being lucky enough to be Adam Richmond and have worked on Man Vs. Food as long as he is, that's a fucking gift. Yeah. The gift, I mean, the, in a weird way, there's got to be a tax with it because you, you, you're, 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 I, I know my privacy is compromised, but your privacy, I mean, everyone, I would, I would argue that one out of every five person people knows who you are. In the in, in, in the world, walking around, <laughs> like walking around, the office is so fucking big. Yeah, it's the beard helps, the hat and glasses help a little bit, and then the COVID mask has really just saved yeah, my life. Brilliant. I just gallivant around in my mask, and it's so liberating. But yeah, it's it's weird, you know. It's it's such a weird business we're in, and I imagine uh, you being a comedian can relate, like. I was this dorky, maybe we have different backgrounds. I was this dorky, nerdy kid from suburban Seattle. And, you know, I was, I was messed up and had a weird family life. And you did have a weird family life. Yeah. Like you guys moved to Nicaragua. Yeah. What, what, and, and by just, I mean, like your name's rain. So immediately I put you into the river Phoenix. Yeah. Like, like, like alternative parents into full alternative on, healing. Full on hippie For parents, real? late sixties, Seattle, lived on a houseboat. My mom, who I just is my mom is still a crazy hippie. She's eighty-two and lives in the woods in a cabin with her husband, her fifth or sixth husband, or I don't know. Really? And uh she was a yoga teacher, like way before anyone was a yoga teacher, like in the early eighties. She and she still teaches yoga at eighty-two. Wow. And uh yeah, she just, you know, eats flowers and communes with butterflies and she's she's full on. Uh the you <laughs> talked about that in your show about um I'm really obsessed with happiness. I'm really obsessed with happiness. Yeah. And but like uh that uh, humans need a connection to nature. They need to see a sunset every now and then. They need to see yeah. uh nature and your mom's living in the middle of that. What what happened to your dad? Are you an only child? I'm an only child. My dad passed away about two, two and a half years ago, but I stayed with my dad. It's a long story. I don't know how much we want to get into it right now, but yeah, they were full on hippies. My mom, my dad was painting murals. Uh, my, they were bohemian uh, artists in Seattle. My mom was an actress. She did plays like experimental plays where she was like topless and like painted her body blue and was like running around these theaters, interacting with the audience and stuff like that. She had a pet goat um, named like uh, Angel of the Morning was the name of her goat. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that was a, it was a strange uh, background, but for me as an actor, like I was so insecure. And then I started acting in high school and then all of a sudden girls liked me and wanted to talk to me. Yeah. So it was, before that, I had been this nerdy guy. I was on the chess team, and I played the bassoon. And I was. It's, in- it's kind of interesting because, like, I, I I would say that I'm not I'm not that, but I was because I I maybe I looked or I behaved a certain way. I got put into sports. Okay. Yeah. And, and I love sports. I still love sports, but I don't. I'm not a sports guy. Like I don't watch ESPN, and I don't watch. I don't, yeah. I don't follow any teams, but I like playing sports. I like being active, but. I was very, uh, I was, I was 
I was so introverted. I think I forced myself to be extroverted. Like oh. I, I wasn't, I was never really, I was never really. Is your natural state introversion? Mm. Like when you're kind of with your wife and your family, you're like pretty quiet or, or, or not really? Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm pretty extroverted. I think okay. I, I, I think there's been a, a, we talk about, I don't want to talk about this a lot in the movie, but I think there's been a, a lapse of like who I am on stage and who I am in real life. I think it's folded over each other a couple times and I don't, I don't, I'm not really certain where I stand anymore. I'm on stage so much these days that I don't, that you're, it's like. You're probably performing half of the day. You're probably spending oh yeah with all the podcasts and the cooking and, and oh, everything like that. Oh, my day starts at seven in the morning and I start performing until eight and then I don't get done. And then, and then I'm very natural into performing, but like I will find myself talking like I will talk and I'm on Instagram all the time. So like, I'm like, I never fucking turn it off. You're Instagram living and stuff I, like Instagram, that? I Instagram stories like crazy. Like, um, you know, my favorite stuff of yours is, uh, Tom Segura. <laughs> That's going to go viral. I was hoping, <laughs> I actually don't know who the hell you are. I was hoping you were, you were Tom. Yeah, I And know. I saw you and I was like, oh, it's the, the it's the it's, fat guy. It's Shit. the fat guy. <laughs> uh, not the smart, funny guy. <laughs> Yeah. I get that a lot. It's the topless tummy guy. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. (laughs) So say hi to him. And I don't know if he's got any room on his podcast. Sadly, you'd have to vote Republican and go to Austin. Wow. Yeah, I know. They're very anti-vaxxers, him and his wife. Hardcore pro-anti-abortion. Okay. They're yeah. pro anti They just don't right. want women to choose what they do with their bodies. Yeah, but he's so funny. Yeah, I he's know. He's so smart. It's crazy. The guy who writes this act, I, oh. I'm good friends with. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's funny. You got to hang out with that guy. Oh, my guy. God. Yeah, he's great. Okay, yeah, okay. No, Tom, Tom's a great performer. Okay. Yeah, once he gets that script out a couple times, it takes him a while, but he's good. That's good. And the whole, uh, that whole pretending to know Spanish thing is pretty funny. Oh, he too. just he just talks fast enough, and white people think he's talking Spanish. Yeah, Spanish people don't go yeah. see his shows. <laughs> yeah, empanada. <laughs> the uh, do you have tuberculosis? No, I aspirate. I throw up in my throat and breathe it in my lungs at night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> you don't aspirate. I was watching your show. I was watching your show as I let my food digest last night. I was sitting in my recliner watching your show on my phone. We Is it a like a baby bird thing where you vomit the? But instead I, I don't of even know if it's a real thing to be bird? dead honest with you. I just know that I know that sometimes I'll throw up. It's, it's acid reflux, but I can get a chest infection from it because it goes okay, into my lungs. Will you please get who's here of your staff? Will you please? Oh. Get this checked out There's, it's, by a medical authority. Will you please get some tube put in your throat or I've some been, shit? I've been to, I, I, I mean, I lost my voice really, really bad uh, right before I did the Greek. Don't fuck around with this. I know. It's my, my voice has been, it's, I, I mean, it's. it's I'm going to call Tom. Yeah. Call, call Tom. Yeah. Tom's spreading the rumor that I'm on insulin because he shot me up with steroids. And he's like, you know, that's insulin, right? Everyone, you know, he's diabetic. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> that fucking guy. You can just put it in your nose. Um, um, so you've you've gotten this checked out. I've gotten it checked out. Yeah. yeah, and and I and I have rules. I broke the rules. Do you have sleep apnea. I have hardcore sleep apnea. Do I, you wear a CPAP? No, I can't. I can't do it. Do you? But I don't. But I got a mouth guard, uh, and sweet. it's right here in the valley. I can give you the information. Sweet. 
I'm going to get. Yeah, give me the not information. Not second, yeah. but will you? <coughs> what's your name? Christine. You're the producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just remind me to give him this. This has saved my life. This For real. place in the valley called the Sleep Experts or the Snore Experts, and they make a mold, and then there's rubber bands, and it puts your jaw forward. Okay, while you sleep, so you're. Unfortunately, it's a. It takes a little while to get used to. And you, you put your jaw, and by doing that. So you look like that cartoon dog. <laughs> by doing that, it opens up your whole sinuses and you can breathe so much easier. And uh, it has changed my life. It really? has helped me. But you you can't fuck around with the sleep apnea. It'll take years off your life, bro. You got to wear yeah. that CPAP if they tell you to wear it. I think if Please that's taking the years off, I'm not doing my job it's right. Because here's what happens. When you wake up from the... That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You you get a little jolt of adrenaline, literally, uh, chemically shooting through your brain. I sound yeah. like Joe Rogan right now. You do. And then uh <laughs> yeah. and then tell me to get into a polar plunge. And then it um uh it uh the 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 blood goes is forced kind of through your heart. Your heart kind of jolts, stops. Yeah. And it puts all this wear and tear on your heart. Really? It's like driving a car and like accelerating and hitting the brake and accelerating and hitting the brake. And that's going to fuck up your transmission yeah. and it's going to fuck up your car. So please, please don't mess around with this. Let um, me talk to your wife. Um, talk well, to I, you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to try to sleep. I haven't been home. I haven't been home in a, a very long time. And and I have the machine, but I haven't had a night to try it. Like I haven't had like, if I'm yeah. home, it's like I'm home and I go, I'm not going to fuck around to, with tonight because I, so I have four hours of sleep, six hours of sleep. I'm going to just do what I, I know I work. sleep, bro. Dude, you say that happiness is your mission? Like you yeah. can't get four hours sleep and be happy. Mm. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, but if I work out the next morning, I it it writes my boat. Again, you work out? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I work out every day. <laughs> it's crazy. People think you know. What's so funny is like I think I have the opposite of body dysmorphia, or maybe uh -huh. I have body dysmorphia because I think I look good. Like I look in the mirror and I go, "That's not bad." I have the same thing. Really? I feel like but you have a, you have a good body. <laughs> I well, I'll tell you what. When you guys went to walk out to that thing naked, you didn't put the towel to cover your junk. No. I know, yeah. That's that's a confident man. Yeah. 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 Do you want to talk about the show? You're a fan. I'm a, I'm, well, You're a new fan. No, I'm, I'm interested because you gave that. I'm, I'm really fascinated by um, your, you gave that, that commencement speech where you talked about depression. Yeah. And I, and I found that to be, here's the thing that I find brave about talking about any uh, mental health shit. Like whether yeah. it's, I'm, I deal with anxiety and OCD. I don't know if I deal with depression. I don't think I do, but I don't think I'm around enough to figure it out. Like, I, I think I just am moving too quick to go to sit with my feelings. Yeah. Um, but I found that really brave. And then when you wanted to explain, and, and I do think there's place, like, I wonder if LA is not the kind of place where you can really find happiness. Cause it's, there's so much sadness around us and there's so much anger on the street. There's so much it is a weird toxic toxic environment, mm. and unless you have money, then then it bring, begets the question: Does money buy you happiness? Because it gets you out of those neighborhoods where you're not finding happiness. Mm. You know, mm. and so I, I mean, yeah. But do you really think that people with money in Los Angeles are happier? Now I'm not talking about poverty. Okay, yeah. But because that sucks. But do you really think that people with money in Los Angeles are happier than? someone working as a waiter for 60 grand a year or a school teacher for 85 grand a year. Do you really think that the Hollywood Hills set yeah. is like happier? 
than those folks I, in L.A.? I don't Because I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's a lot of... But I don't think there's a correlation. I think... And the fact, in happiness studies, they, they, they do this. There is... You can't even talk about happiness until you are making a certain amount of money per year. Because if you're constantly worrying about paying your rent and where your food is yeah. coming from and your bills and, and feeding kids, then you, you fuck that. You can't have a conversation about happiness. So you have to start the conversation. I forget what the, what the number is, but it's like 50, 60 grand a year. You start yeah. the conversation there. That's, that's, I'm glad to hear that because I've lived in, I've lived personally in poverty uh, once in my life. And the uneasy feeling of that, of, of your, your, just your immediate safety is it's, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It mm -hmm. was, I would listen, it, I'm not going to, I'm not brave or anything. I was working in the Olympics, the Atlanta Olympics, and they, we, they were paying us nothing and they put us up. Were you the bomber? I was, I just left right before he bombed. I okay. always think I would have been there. I always think with my luck, I would have ended up being there, seeing the backpack and be like, this looks suspicious. No, you would have been like, hey, free backpack. Free backpack. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, and we were living in a warehouse in Southwest Atlanta. And, yeah. and our first, and in, 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 in just in like, almost like dorm beds with no walls. And the first night a dude came in, a druggie came in, an addict and, hit a guy over the head with a pipe in the middle of the night and stole his bag. And then we realized they, they figured out we lived there and they were, they were all over. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, I don't have to live like this. I'm choosing to live like this. I don't have to live like this. And I was like, if I had to live like this, I'm not certain where my mental stability would be. Mm. And so I'm glad to hear that at least they so they go, money doesn't buy you happiness, but let's start at 50 grand when we talk about that. Because mm -hmm. that is the... You know, that's, that's what makes my heart break in this city. When I see homelessness and I yeah. see, and I see just children that like the idea that there's a child that goes to school hungry, that fucking, that makes me absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. 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 But well I, said. but I don't do enough to like write the boat. I'm just. You will. I will. You will. Day, you know, one day. Slowly, one day at a time. We, yeah. We're going to make a difference. We're going to make an impact. Yeah. Do just, just put me on on your, on the list and I'll just give the money, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm bad at the follow. We I'm, can do that. I love it when the weather starts to warm up. Getting out in my yard and digging in my garden. It's one of the favorite things I do this spring. And Sunday Lawn Care makes it easier than ever to enjoy. If you're like me and you love spring, but you may not love figuring out how to take care of your yard, does anyone else just stand there in the store and go, where do I start? That's where Sunday Lawn Care comes in. Now that spring is finally here and the days are longer, the flowers are blooming, and I can spend time out in my yard, what makes the season even better is Sunday Lawn Care. It's time to reclaim your weekend. Sunday Lawn Care can take one thing off your to-do list. Instead of spending time in the yard working with Sunday, you can spend time enjoying it. Sunday is everything you need to get the lawn you've dreamed of. This spring, go to GetSunday.com slash Burt and enter your address to get a customized plan created just for your lawn. No more trips to the store or hauling heavy bags since they ship straight to your home. You just need a hose to apply Sunday. You can fertilize your whole lawn in less time than it takes to watch your favorite episode of your favorite TV show. And they only use ingredients you can feel good about. No harsh chemicals, no long waiting periods, or trying to keep your kids and pets off the lawn. Simply apply, let it dry, and you're back in your yard 
in no time enjoying the outdoors and your beautiful yard. Sunday is easy and affordable. Some lawn care services cost more than $1,500 a year, but Sunday, the full season's plan starts at just $109. For a limited time, Sunday is offering our listeners 50% off, 50% off your first box. So you can get started today for as little as $55 when you go to getsunday.com slash Bert at checkout. That's 50% off your first box. Go to getsunday.com slash Bert. This podcast is sponsored by Black Buffalo. I am a tobacco guy. I love the ritual of tobacco. I love the feel of tobacco, the smell of tobacco, the taste of tobacco. My whole childhood, I was a chewing tobacco guy. And I, and Listen, if you're 21 and over and dip or chew pouches or long cuts, check out the award-winning tobacco alternative, Black Buffalo. Black Buffalo is everything you love and nothing you don't. The feel, the taste, the ritual, just without the actual tobacco leaf or stem. Black Buffalo is actually made from a variety of green leaves in the cabbage family. You take pride in what you do. Take pride in what you dip. Honor your rituals with Black Buffalo. Black Buffalo makes all the best flavors like wintergreen, mint, straight peach, and even blood orange with and without pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. You can buy Black Buffalo online at blackbuffalo.com, but don't forget to use our code BERT for 15% off your first order. You can also buy Black Buffalo at thousands of retail locations like AMPM across the country by checking out their store locator on their website. Listen, I'm telling you, this is the shit right here. We bring it on the bus. We have it on the bus. I do the without nicotine. Because I'm by look, if you well, you know the struggle. If you dip, you know the struggle. So I do without whippetine and it, it, nicotine, and it's just fun to have a conversation with your buddies and throw a dip in and, and feel like I'm I'm ha- I get all the stuff that are reminding me of how great these conversations can get and how much fun it is to have a dip in. But I'm not back on dip. If if you were 21 and over and use products like this, it's time to join the Black Buffalo herd. Head to blackbuffalo.com and use the promo code Bert at checkout. For 15% off your first order, use my code BERT for 15% off your first order one last time. That's promo code BERT for 15% off your order. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. You're on your third book right now, too. Yeah, yeah. So this, basically, my book and the show are this kind of area of interest that is going to freak out your audience a little bit. I don't think so. Well, I'm not talking about nachos. Guys, trigger warning. <laughs> trigger warning, okay? <laughs> Just want you guys to know that we're going into uncharted territory. Um, I thought your book was about nachos. The, uh... <laughs> Is it about marijuana or <laughs> alcohol or pussy? Because if we're talking about happiness, I don't think we're looking in the same places. Um, I feel like I insulted every one of your of your viewers. Um, oh no, I don't. I, they, I don't think they took it as an insult. They're like, he's talking about Bert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did this. Uh, here, I wrote this book. Look, I happened to bring a copy. Soul hey. Boom. Um, this is your third book, right? This is my third book. So I have, and the, the whole the whole first chapter is like, why is the guy who uh, played Dwight writing a book about spirituality. Because, I, like, I, like, I like opening there. Um, and uh, this has a, been a passion of mine for many years. And, you know, I've literally like been on Oprah's podcast and I have this kind of secret life of like, yeah, I do comedy and I play weird characters. And I'm also really interested in the world's religions and faiths and, and spirituality, but also how that intersects with positive psychology and, and happiness and well-being and, 
and and, and you, you had asked before about you know um, you know mental health stuff, and that's it's really where it all started for me is. You know, when I I was living on the poverty line, I never made over nineteen thousand dollars a year as an actor for the first ten years of my life as an actor in New York City, mm-hmm. and I worked odd jobs to pay the rent and stuff like that. So I was always on the verge of, <clears throat> you know, getting evicted. And um, now, could I have flown home to Seattle? and stayed in my dad's basement. Sure. I'm not saying like I would have been out on the yeah. street and, you know, it's a different kind of poverty. And I was choosing to do that because I was trying to have, build an acting career. Yeah. And, but during that time I got very depressed. Uh, I had really bad anxiety. I suffered from anxiety attacks, like the most serious anxiety attacks where I was literally on the floor in the fetal position with sweat pouring off of me for long periods of time. I would get anxiety attacks on the New York City subway whenever it would stop between stops. And especially when it was like under a river, like, cause I lived out yeah. in the, the wilds of Brooklyn before it was cool and like coming out under the river and that would like stop and I would picture the East River above my head and I would start to sweat and my breath would 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 start and I would just kind of go like this and hoping that no one would see me on the subway. And it was incredibly debilitating. I was dealing with a lot of addiction issues. I was medicating myself with like, drugs and alcohol. Like, what, like your Xanax and stuff or? No, I, it was really, I, I mean, I went through a drug phase. I don't want to get into it too much, but I went into it. I had a cocaine phase. I had a pot phase. I left that go. And then I really just medicated with alcohol, Yeah, you know? Um, and I wasn't like a, because a lot of my friends at the time were like, I didn't know that you had a drinking problem or whatever, because I never got blotto, vomit, pass out, yeah. drunk, that rarely. But every day I drank to medicate my anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, I just dealt with a lot of loneliness and and fear and, and uh, insomnia. And I would wake up at three in the morning and, you know, in the nineties, we didn't have this whole thing of like mental health. It was just kind of like, Suck it up, bucko. And and not you know what sucks about this is I dealt with that in New York, that exact thing, identi- yeah. identical. No and kidding. When, oh. And you had anxiety attacks because I saw you kind of nodding. You've oh, I have hardcore anxiety attacks. Yeah, I call them searing anxiety attacks. I feel mm. like they sear. Um, and uh, and the first time I dealt with it head on was in New York. I was living in. I was working at the Astor Place Barnes and Noble and I had to walk through uh through Washington Square Park and I remember what year was this? This was 97, 97, oh, 98. Oh wow, we were there at the same time. Yeah. And uh and I thought to my, I saw people enjoying their lives and and like walking their dogs and smiling yeah. and skateboarding. And I thought how can they do that? What how what are they what do they know that I don't know? I can't find any joy in anything i couldn't see the leaves on the trees yeah i just saw a thing of green and i was like what the fuck how can anyone be happy when they know that this is something that could happen to them this that this is a a a, a real thing that shows up and i was and i was i was i, I was i mean i've always medicated with alcohol but i mean it was it was horrific and i and uh and so when I hear people talk like that, I, I actually identify with it. I really identify with it. <clears throat> Panic attacks don't make sense at all to, to anyone else, but they're very real to you. 
I had a panic attack yesterday. No one knows this. But I had a panic attack yesterday. I had to do a, a promo shoot. And they put me in a, a mermaid's tail. And they put my two feet in this flipper. My two feet were bound. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I knew that I, I, I knew that I couldn't get out of it for probably like 40 minutes. And the idea that I couldn't get out of it yeah. for 40 minutes kind of fucking started freaking me out. 100%. Completely and, relate and then, to that. And then all of a sudden my full leg goes numb. And I'm like, that's not real, Bert. Uh, let's go. Let's let's deal with this. We've got to perform. Everyone at Sony right now is going, oh, I didn't know you didn't enjoy that. But there's like, it's like, and I'm at a place now where I can, I can muffle it a little bit and yeah. go, I'm, I'm, I, don't worry. I'm fine. No one, I'm not going to, yeah. I understand this isn't real. Yeah. But yeah, when you say that, I hardcore identify with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I relate to that, the whole mermaid thing. Um, not because of any sexual fetish oh, around mermaids that I have, but um, oh, look at you. Yeah, oh. it was a fat little mermaid. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. But uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Anyway, so that started a kind of what I would call, uh, and it sounds really woo-woo for the nacho-loving crowd here, but... Uh, uh, the the Bud Light sippers on the other end of that uh, camera. Uh, hey, Rain, I don't know if you saw the commercial. They don't sip Bud Lights anymore. Oh, it's done because Kid Rock <laughs> shot the Bud Lights? No, no not, not these people, but I got I was at my show and I, I went to drink a Bud Light and some guy booed me. He goes, don't you know? Oh, because they, they have did? a trans uh, spokesperson? And I was now, like, like, I was like, buddy. So if, now if, they've canceled... The anti-cancel crowd has canceled Bud Light yeah. for canceling the cancel. I've, cancel it. I've mocked him. I, I was like, if you think, if you think I'm not going to drink a fucking Bud Light because Kid Rock doesn't like a commercial, you're out of your fucking mind. I like first, yeah. of, all, first of all, I still like Kid Rock. Like yeah. I don't cancel anybody, and I'm yeah. definitely not canceling the beer. And then I said, and then I said, I don't think they took the commercial far enough. And maybe I shouldn't have said this in an arena. I should have said this in a small comedy <laughs> club. But I said, I think Bud Light should lean into it. There should be a guy on the side of, end of a bed with a Bud Light in his hand and his girlfriend's behind him. And she's like, are you going to do this or not? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And he kills the Bud Light. And then he takes a deep breath and turns around and sucks her cock. And I was like, <laughs> that's how far they should take it. I that's thought how you far. were going to say, and he cuts his dick off. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and I go, the commercial's not done, guys. After he's done sucking his cock. He fucking killed her, her cock, her cock. <laughs> he washes, he, he washes down with another Bud Light. And so. And scene. Yeah, but. Uh, but anyways, going back to the whole mental health thing. So that started what I would call a spiritual journey for me where I just was investigating like, you know, why am I so unhappy? You know, what, what the hell is going on? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm working as an actor. Yeah, I'm not making any money, but I'm living in New York. I have a beautiful girlfriend who's now my wife and. Um, I've got a career and this doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. Um, you know, do I believe in God? Do I believe that I have a soul? Do, is there a spiritual component to this? Are, are the world's religions right? Is, is, is Jesus true? Is the Buddha true? How does this work? So I started really taking that very seriously. And I went on a really deep dive reading the world's religious texts and, and going to different, you know, Buddhist things and church things and exploring this world. And this started in the, in the, in the late, late nineties, like 98, 99, right before I came to LA. And then when I was in Los Angeles and starting on the office and, and, um, it's just been a, it's been a passion of mine. And I, and I do feel like people talk a lot about the, the psychosocial aspects of, of, of well-being and happiness in terms of, you know, here's here's eight practical things you can do to make yourself happy. You know, yeah. cold plunges and and whatnot, and and that's all very true. But there's a larger 
thing, there's a larger component to to happiness and well-being, which is the spiritual one, which yeah. is if you know why you're alive and what purpose your life has, why we're here and how you can contribute. And if you can be filled with hope and gratitude along the way, as you pursue the development of your spiritual self, your heart, your soul, whatever you want to call it, like that can be uh, as deeply enriching or more so than any kind of cold plunge or meditation yeah. or, or gratitude list or any other component of of finding, you know, the positive psychology tools for for mental health and well-being and we're in the midst of this mental health epidemic with young people that is absolutely devastating. 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 The the suicide, the loneliness, the anxiety, the depression among young people is just is so overwhelming and so I felt like I needed to contribute and that's why I say why we need a spiritual revolution is the is the component here and You're why tapping into something that's so, so, I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah, and then when, and, and how this ties into the show, the geography of bliss, traveling the world, searching for happiness, because, you know, it's, it's really important. And I'm glad that you, you have been carrying the, the banner on this a lot and talking about your own, you know, mental health issues and, and finding your joy and what sparks your bliss. We need to be having these conversations. We need to be sharing the struggles that people like us, you know, schlubby middle-aged white dudes have gone through, but to, you know, because we're, we're at this turning point and the, there's so much hopelessness and despair among young people. Um, these conversations about spirituality and the soul and making a difference in the world of finding happiness and, uh, and searching the world for, for clues, what can bring us ever greater well-being is like, is the most important conversation it's we can the be most having. In, dude, you're tapping into something that's so visceral to me because so at the beginning of last year, I'm trying to think if it was last year or in the middle of last year, I started a thing called a happiness journal. And yeah. so I started, uh, I would write in it uh, every morning. Not every I read morning. it. It was right next to your bed in the, in the yeah. nightstand. Yeah. yeah, it's right by my nightstand. Yeah. It says it says Tito's and soda on the front. <laughs> and so, but I but I was started trying to identify things that made me happy versus things that didn't make me happy. Okay. And then I was like, uh, so if I can identify things that, Maybe I thought were bringing me joy, but aren't. Then let me get rid of those. And then if I can identify what what is bringing me joy, let me get those. And then one of them was, and this was the clearest version of it, <clears throat> was I was hungover. I was laying in bed. Uh, I'd flown, I think, that night and landed, and and we all stayed up and had wine. And then my daughters were getting ready to go to school, and I and I had identified on the plane in my journal that making my daughter's breakfast sandwiches is my favorite thing in the world. Oh, that's great. And and that and I said and I was laying in bed and I was like oh. and in the journal I'd said having wine with friends it, it, like around our in our kitchen is like one of my favorite things in the world also. Mm. So then I said I and I I was laying in bed and I went, "Well, oh, I know that there's happiness is in the kitchen waiting for me. Why would I lay in bed? Because I feel tired and I'm hungover. I should go find the happiness." So I got up and I made the girls breakfast and and I and I had coffee and I and I and I sat with them and I went, Oh, this is the thing. If you just identify the shit that brings you joy, yeah. identify it and then recognize it and go, go towards the light. Sure. And then all the shit you don't like, you got and one of the ones the number one thing I identified was 
working out for one hour first thing in the morning brings me happiness. It brings mm. me happiness. It brings me solitude. It gives me, it shows me gratitude. I, it I'm does a, not, however, bring you a nice body. It does not. I do not. Well, because a lot of things, I'm, I, there's a lot of things that I've identified that bring me unhappiness that I still do. <laughs> nachos. <bring> nachos. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy food. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. Like, I, I wish that I could find the way to identify the unhappiness in alcohol, but I can't. Are you in therapy? <coughs> yeah, I'm in therapy. Do you need a water? <coughs> no, Do we need fine. to take a break? No. I'm Do you want a cigar? Fine. Yeah, I would love a cigar. You know, this is what started all this, is I started getting acid reflux, and then I went and had a cigar that night, and then I, I was I had searing, I use the word searing too much, but searing heartburn, and I went to bed and just threw up my throat. Oh, it, was, it was the night of the tornado in, uh, in uh, Tulsa, t- no, Tupelo, Mississippi. We were okay. in a tornado in Tupelo, Mississippi. Okay. But um, but I love that because your your brand is happiness adjacent. Yeah. Like, I mean, think of all the joy you've brought people your whole life. Oh. Without writing a book, without doing your your new show, without any I mean, just with just the movies and television you've done, you've all you've done, all you've done is bring people joy. So why wouldn't you continue to do that or continue to help them on that path? I mean, it, it, it makes total sense. That's a great way of putting it. Thanks. Well, no, because that's I, what no, I do. That helps me to hear that. No, yeah. that's what yeah. I do. I, I'm, I'm being that serious. But I do, but I do feel <clears throat> like going back to this spiritual path. So I believe in God. Okay, let's get there. So I said to Bill Maher one time, if I could perform a surgery on your brain that cuts off the cynic wire and allows you to believe in God, would you get that surgery? And he couldn't answer it. He was like, that's a great question. I don't know. He was like, I, I don't think. Louis said no. Louis said no. He said no. I just. Louis goes. It just goes dark. There's nothing out there. I said, I can't believe that, buddy. Yeah. I can't. I'm not allowing myself to believe that. I've got to believe in something. The most vulnerable thing I've ever said on stage, and I've said some wild shit on stage. <laughs> the most vulnerable thing I've ever said on stage is, I believe in a God. I believe in a God. I don't know where it is, but I wear this around my neck. I got. St. Jude, Jesus, I got it all on my neck. I believe yeah. in something and I can't, I, I can't not believe in something. And I've said it so much. I'm looking for something. I'm looking. I have tried to not believe in God. Okay. I have tried to experience, <clears throat> and this was in my 20s when I was really searching and struggling. I have tried to be an atheist. I have tried to kind of be in the in a universe where there is all of this, it's miracle after miracle. Look at look at this miracle of our conversation right now. Yeah. These two weird By the way, this is a fucking miracle. Bros. I never and, thought I'd get to meet you. And we have consciousness and we have eyes and we're seeing each other and we're thinking and we're funny and we've got synapses and we we make jokes about nachos and we're we're talking about God and then people are watching us and it's beaming out on this technology and this gorgeous she's nodding. There's this gorgeous <laughs> incredible universe and you look, look through the web telescope and you see these images of like the galaxies out there. And, you know, I have breath in my lungs and I'm going to have hopefully 80 or 90 years in this, in this wonderful, weird body. Yeah. And, you know, there are, there are so many countless miracles. I can't think that this is just like eh, random, you know, it's kind of a Sarah Silverman, like, nah, we're just, just a bunch of molecules, just random. I can't believe like, that. I, I can't, 
I just can't get with that. I can't get with that. I and can't then, get with that at and all. And then immediately people go to, well, I believe in science. It's like, well, I believe in science too, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Like you can believe in science and you can believe that there is something that perhaps we have not yet gotten in touch with through science. Like no one knew about dark matter or dark energy 20 years ago. We yeah. were taught that there were atoms, there was stuff and there was energy and that's it. Then all of a sudden like, oh, and by the way, uh, most of the universe is actually dark matter and dark energy. Like, oh, where did that come from? Yeah. Could there not be subsequent discoveries about some kind of force, power, cognizance, consciousness, uh, creative jism that, you know, runs through, you know, all of the molecules and energy of the world that ties us together through, through love? Like, we can find that. We yes. can go there. And that's how I experience life. I can't, I can't when I'm most connected, especially in nature, like I can't I can't sit in beautiful nature and forests and be looking at miracles of little bugs and flowers blooming and breeze blowing through the tree. I can't be in that and kind of go, just random, brah. Yeah. I can't. I can't be the person that goes, I can't be the person that hears what you just said. And not find any inkling of hope in any of that and side with, nope, just yeah. nope, it's nothing. It's nothing. It, it all goes black. It's nothing. And what you said, the word hope, I think is really important because I talk about, I'm for, sorry for plugging this. And I'll no, shut no, up about no, the book. No, no, buddy, but, I, listen, this is the most important conversation we can have because all anyone's looking for is happiness. I, I one time, I one time, I never understood what I was doing for a living. I was doing it because I loved it. I never understood that there was a purpose in comedy. I love it. And and I, our friend Jeannie Turbo lost her father. I think it was her father. And um, and I invited a bunch of the moms from our school to come. I was doing, I was at Flappers. I said, come out. And Jeannie Turbo, and I had an okay set, and Jeannie Turbo came up to me after and said, you have no idea the gift you just gave me. I'm paraphrasing Jeannie. Jeannie, if you hear this, I'm sorry. You have no idea the gift you just gave me. For the last three weeks, all I have thought about is missing my father. Mm. And for one hour... I didn't think about that and I got to laugh mm. and enjoy life again. And it gave me hope that it will get better. And I went, I was like, wow, that, like that, that put a, put a, a broad stroke of a, of a, of a, of a painting on it for me for the rest of my life. Randomly, two days later, we find out we may have to put our dog down Priscilla and I'm, I'm heartbroken. She's in the hospital. She went through a bunch of knee surgeries and they're like, it may just not be worth it. And and we don't, we, at the time, we didn't have the money to be able to just foot a bill. And I'm watching Greg Geraldo, who had passed. And I'm on my treadmill and I'm watching him. And he said a joke. I forget the fucking joke. But he said a joke. And I'm all I'm thinking about is Priscilla and kind of listening to this. And I started laughing. And I went, oh, that's what comedy does. Comedy is like that guy on the airplane. Yeah. Maybe he's terrified of flying. And now he's lost in the office. And you get him out of that place. And I went, that's the, the gift of comedy is to allow people just just a little bit of a moment out of their reality of joy and 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 laughing laughing so special and this is for me the exact same path in the forest it is the exact same carved path in that forest of going it's i find it ironic sometimes when i and i know louis will never understand this that louis can make so many people happy but at the same time not believe in something bigger you know I had a conversation with two Scientologists once. We were at dinner. My wife was friends with them. Now, 
I think everyone can, I mean, I'm sure everyone can probably shit on Scientology. It's very easy. And at the time I was, I was, I was, I would, I wasn't allowed to drink with them because I didn't drink. And I was just like, and I'm sitting there sober at a table. And I went, I was like, so you guys believe in aliens? And the guy was like, oh, I mean, that it's kind of minimizing it a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I guess if that's how you want to see it, then yeah, we believe in aliens. Oh, that's kind of crazy, right? And he goes, is it though? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes like, I mean, he goes, everyone, everyone wants to believe in something, right? And I was like, yeah. And he goes like, what do you believe in? And I go, I believe in God. I believe in, like, I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I was born Catholic, but I believe in God. And he goes, so like, you believe in the Bible? And I go, oh, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think he like he rose again or any of that shit. Like, I, I mean, it's like, he says, you think he was the son of the Lord? And I said, well, it's, look, it's, it's, it's a book. And, and, and he goes, well, hold on. Can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. And he goes, in this universe, do you think it's possible that there is uh, an, an other life forms out in this universe? And I went, actually, I, I really do. And he goes, so admittedly, you kind of already believe in my shit and you don't believe in your shit. And I went, motherfucker. He got me. I, I'm like, God damn it. I'm a Scientologist now. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <clears throat> but I do believe that like this, I mean, I, I, I'm not even fucking around when I say this. Last night when I got the screener, I went, dude, he's doing the he's doing the legwork and presenting it in a very, uh, very digestible form for what everyone's looking for in life. Mm. I mean, everyone's most people just take a pill and go, hope I hope that fixes it. Mm. And then you're doing like hardcore legwork. I've, I've also oddly enough, Rob Deerdak, the guy who does uh, what you call it. He is like insane at like hacking his happiness meter. That's all he does hmm. is he hacks his happiness meter and his effectiveness meter meter. Like he keeps crazy statistics on what he does during the day. So that's interesting that you brought him up because like, he's like, he's the reason I started a happiness journal. Hmm. So hmm. he was saying that he like, he could tell you how many bad days he had last year. And he was like, I had 10 bad days. And I went, Whoa. And I think his happiness spectrum is probably different than mine. Uh, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think this shit is the most important shit out well, there. Well, the the uh, one of the things about the spiritual revolution is that at the very end of the book, I offer some some not solutions, but but uh, I call them pillars for a spiritual revolution. And I think what you're getting to, and you had dropped this word a while back, uh, the word hope. And I think that this is where. God and hope kind of sync up for me because if you just believe that at the end of your life, it's lights out, your consciousness is done and your journey uh, is at the end, it can be pretty hopeless. Yeah. You combine that with climate change and how things might look for our great, great grandkids on this planet. Look at the wet extreme weather events that are happening now. How, you know, what's that going to look like 50, 100, 150 years from now? Um, and, this mental health epidemic, the kind of partisan politics and the and the the toxicity of Washington, DC and and stuff with Russia and with China, like it's it's a very hopeless world. So part hope can be a, a weapon utilized to make the world a better place. And comedy fits into that. So making people laugh, yes, taking their mind off of something, you know, changing their mood, that's all wonderful. But I would go even further, like what you give your audiences is you give them hope. You're like, here I am. I'm this dude. I'm a big dude. I I struggle with this. I talk about my marriage. I talk about mental health. Yeah. You know, I 
I cook nachos, I drink beer, I make comedy, I struggle, I, I have fun at the same time, but you're giving people joy and you're giving people hope. And people need that right now. It's, yeah. it's a really hopeless time. And that's at the center of this mental health epidemic. So finding happiness, finding well-being, and inspiring other people to hope is the most important thing we can be doing because people roll their eyes at hope. You know, when yeah. I was a kid in the 70s, I can still remember the 70s because I was I'm that old. People talked about world peace. People talked about it regularly. Yeah. Like, hey, we can have world peace. We can all get along. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Now you talk about world peace, people roll their eyes. Oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. You're a naive, you know, idiot world peace where humans are aggressive animals and we're going to tear each other limb from limb and it's all fucked and we're all going to hell in a handbasket and and you're considered a, a a ponce for talking about hope or love or world peace or something like that but we so part of our role i think is and for all of the folks that you interact with is to give people uh, inspiration and to give them hope because it it is such a powerful force for change and it's not a hippy dippy thing yeah. like you literally need it i can we can look at what makes people happy around the world in thailand and in ghana and in iceland and even in los angeles and we can learn how to make our lives better and hack our our happiness yeah. we can spread hope to others and uplift others make them laugh and if everyone was involved in that process of working on their own well-being and their own happiness, and then taking that, not just stopping there, right? So that's the important thing because yeah. Americans want to stop there. Like, oh, I'm good. I've, I'm good. <clears throat> I fixed my anxiety. I have some serenity right now. Okay, I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. But if we take that and give it to others and uplift others and provide hope for others and and be in that cycle, right? That that is emulating the divine impulse. That is that's what it's all about. Yeah. Were you the, were, were, how happy were you when you were, when you were on the office? That, yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, uh, in a lot of ways I was the happiest I've ever been certainly at the job, like on the job ecstatic. We all yeah. got along so great and we're still like a big, weird, happy family. I talk yeah. to the cast all the time. We, we just loved making comedy together and being in that room together we had so much fun and uh, there's there was so much love there. I got into a lot of shit with career stuff. So for me being like late 30s, early 40s, and all of a sudden I'm hosting SNL, you know, all of a sudden I'm on The Tonight Show like every other month. Like yeah. I was, I went from total obscurity, barely able to pay my bills to like- Full-blown movie star. Yeah, full-on like starring in movies and people like- you know, stopping me on the street saying, I love you. You're so amazing. Like that, it'll fuck with your head. So oh, yeah. I went through some dark times there too and some real struggles. Uh, my ego really got away from me in a lot of ways. Uh, that really fucked with my marriage. And uh, we went through some really difficult times and um, I was, you know, then it wasn't, it was like, and it was a, it's a happiness thing, right? It's never enough, right? Like, here I am getting nominated for Emmys, making millions of dollars on one of the most lauded TV shows, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't That's fucking really enough. I wanted to be a movie star. I wanted to have my own, 
thing. I wanted to kind of build this and that. I wanted to be lauded in this way. And how come I'm not getting Senate for that? How come I'm not? It's comparison and envy and. Um, oh, what's crazy? What's crazy that no one knows is that everyone, everyone has their peers of like, how come he's getting that role? Yeah. Like, how come he's getting? Yeah. Who was I just talking to? And they were like, oh yeah, my guy was always uh, John Stamos. I was just talking, but like everyone, like even like the best looking dudes in Hollywood, yeah, the most talented, they've always are like, oh, what? Why? How come I? You know, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mine yeah. was always Dom DeLuise's son. Who who is that? Uh, I think his name's Chris Dave DeLuise. He got every commercial. I, I never did like TV, but he got every commercial I ever went in for. Oh, yeah. He'd get it. And he was better yeah. looking than me. He was like, uh, not chubby, but he was like in shape, but like, like cherubic, like, like good luck. Like, <laughs> cherubic. And he, and he got like every it. role. Yeah. I ever, like every, uh, like a, there was a Purina dog food company that I yeah. was like, I was like, I was real close on. And, and, but Dom DeLuise's son, and I could never begrudge him because I fucking love Dom DeLuise. Yeah. 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 I had, I don't know if I had specific people. I mean, I would be jealous of various people at various times. Like why is Bill Hader getting that? Or why is Nick Offerman getting that? Yeah. Or what, you know, just, but it was never like, there was never like, Oh, my nemesis. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was really like, why am I being left out of this? Like I'm a TV star. I want to be a movie star. And a lot of my movies didn't do well and they bombed and it was hard. And I, and it was, it was really devastating because, you know, here's Steve becoming this major movie star. I'm not comparing myself to Steve. He was kind of a movie star before we started The Office. I mean, 40-year-old. Yeah. done Anchor, Anchorman, Anchorman right? and 40-year-old Virgin came out right after we had done our first handful of episodes. Oh, really? And that made $180 million, oh you know. And so he was on his road. But it was uh it was it was some hard times so when you say was i happy like yes and no and then it took me a lot of therapy to to come out the other side and and just be like well i am who i am i get to act i get to pay my yeah. bills and that goes to one of the main tools of um of happiness which is gratitude which is as I, I had really lost track of gratitude. And now I do a daily, you do a happiness journal. I do a daily gratitude list. I have a group of buddies and we send each other every morning. We text each other five things that we're grateful for. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, it's so simple. And the 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 health effects and the psychological benefits of of not just feeling gratitude, but notating gratitude, yeah. sharing gratitude, writing gratitude, journaling gratitude is off the charts. It's like a superpower and it's the simplest thing in the world, but I have to stay in gratitude or I can just get, I can just turn into just like a little curmudgeon, you know, golem, yeah. you know. Summer is just around the corner. How far ago was your new year's resolution and how are you holding up to it? I am not holding up very well to mine. I will tell you, I feel like hearing something's around the corner already gets me winded. If you haven't tried FitBod, you need to try FitBod. FitBod keeps you motivated to keep working towards your goals and for good reason. If you're looking to take your workout to the next level, check out FitBod. The FitBod app creates a workout program that's personalized to your goals, fitness level, and available equipment. It learns from your previous workouts and adapts as you improve. It's the perfect companion to help you crush your fitness goals this summer. Start making progress towards your fitness goals today. With 25% off a of FitBod subscription, just pick a fitness goal, select your equipment, and FitBod will create a custom workout for you. Whether you've 
miss time in the gym or you're hitting plateaus, FitBod will build you a workout plan individualized to you. The app switches up your exercises to avoid overtraining or burnout while keeping your workouts fresh and fun. There's no better time to level up your fitness habit. Try FitBod today. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app free at fitbod.me slash Burt. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Burt. Dude, Morgan Whalen's coming to the SoFi Stadium. I'm telling you, here's the deal. I'm never, I never know when I'm home. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. I always forget until the last moment. I don't know if I'm going to be home. And, and I'm always like, crap, I want to get tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. That's the part about a concert that's the best, is getting the tickets and then hitting up your friends go, yo, Morgan Whalen, two nights from tomorrow, who's coming? Forget planning months in advance. Game time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get Images of your seat before you buy so you can know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your emails. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BERTCAST for $20 off your first purchase. That is great savings when we're talking about tickets. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code BERTCAST for $20 off. Or go to GameTime.co. That's G-A-M-E-T-I-M-E dot C-O. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. It's so funny. Uh, me and my friends have a, a chat thread where we continuously apologize for being late. <laughs> so we're always in this chat thread. We're always about to be somewhere. Yeah. I guess it started in a group thread and someone was like, how? Sal, how far out are you? And he's like, I'm on my way. And then randomly the other day, Shane Gillis was like, hey, Sal, are you still coming? And then and then I was like, oh, I'm five minutes out. And then someone's like, hey, how does this buzzer work? I think I'm buzzing the wrong apartment. <laughs> and then we've been, ch- we've been keep. It's all so about like, just. It's all about not yeah. being there and like yeah. picking things up. And it's it's, it's all about this yeah. party that will never happen. Because none, none of us, are, they're all live in New York. But it's all comics. That seems cool. That seems cool because. The other thing, comics will get into into chat threads about uh, comics they don't like. It's a quick way to quickly ignore your gratitude and get into a fucking evil place. The second something happens to someone, you get into a chat thread, it's like, yo, did you see this? That's crazy. Yeah, I I try to do uh, morning gratitudes, uh, but my gratitudes are very easy. Uh, My first one, I have a buddy... uh, Shout out to John Moore, who's a, one of the a brilliant writer, brilliant writer, uh, and he's going through cancer. He's doing good. He's doing good now, right? But he's going through cancer and throat cancer. And when he was in the worst of it, I was hungover as fuck, and I did not want to work out. And I laid down to do my activations, and the sun hit my face, and I went, oh, "I bet Sean, I bet John would love to be able to work out right now, no mm. matter how hungover." Mm. I bet he'd love to be able to physically work out. You, she knows John very well. Hmm. And um, <clears throat> and so now every time the sun hits my face, I always think there's someone out there that's not doing great today that isn't just hungover. They're sick. Yeah. They would love to be able to work out. Yeah. And so I think about that a lot. Um, One of the topics that I 
<clears throat> one of the topics that I, I bring up in the book is about is a, is one of my favorite, which is death. Oh my god! And, that's like <laughs> my fun. That's, that's I, I think of that every fucking morning when I wake up. My first thought is death. Well, this is why I think people need to talk about it a little bit more. Um, I lost my father about two and a half years ago, right after COVID started. He had heart disease. He was getting bypass surgery and he didn't make it because he had too severe uh, arterial sclerosis. And um, he was 79 and it was really heartbreaking and devastating. And um, But it put a lot of things in perspective. And uh, I write about that in the book. I, I have a chapter called Death and How to Live It. And I have another chapter about God called the notorious G-O-D. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but two of our favorite topics, right? But, yeah. but exactly right, that humanity th throughout its history has always contemplated death. But in Western so culture, society right now, American, we never think about it. No one talk about it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to look at it. But just how you spoke about your friend, John, like it, it keys us into the preciousness of life one day at a time. And kind of meditating on death. Uh, and for me, the most profound experience of seeing my father's dead body. And in my faith tradition, which is the Baha'i faith, we uh, clean clean the body, purify the body, and, and wrap it in a shroud before burial. Like in many faith traditions do that. Judaism, they do the same thing. Um, and seeing his body and like just it hit me like a thunderbolt. Like this is this lying on this table. That is not my dad. That is the vessel that carried my dad's essence, his light, his love, his spark, his heart, his consciousness through 79 years of his life. God bless it. It's beautiful, this body, but that's not him. And I think it's so important of, and that it, it ties into hope as well to know like we're spiritual beings and we we've got you know 80 or 90 years in these meat suits and then they schluff off and we continue on our journey god knows where that leads us yeah and uh but every culture in the world has had some kind of relationship to death ceremonies to it uh, a meditation on it an understanding of it um and but we don't talk about it, but we, we could gain a lot by thinking about it more. Not in some like, oh, it's dark and depressing. I don't want to get dark and depressed. Like, no, it's actually really, it can be very inspiring uh, yeah, and uplifting yeah. to think about like, hey, I'm not dead and I have a breath in my lungs and this is going to carry me through hopefully 24 hours. I don't know when my life could end. Um, it could happen at any time, but it can be... Um, it could be really inspiring and, and helpful for this mental health epidemic. This is, this is, if Leanne's listening to this, she may be downstairs listening. She knows this is all I fucking think about. That's all amazing. I think about That's is, great. I've, I've said it ad nauseum on podcasts. I'm looking for something. I am looking for something. I don't know what it is. I'm looking for something. I can't, I refuse to believe that it goes dark. I refuse to believe this is going to sound crazy. I refuse to believe that I don't have ancestral trauma from my grandfather storming the beaches at Normandy. I, meaning I believe I was in his balls and that I took that journey. Like I was thinking of this the other day. I was mm. like, how traumatizing must that have been, mm. right? For the, for my grandfather 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know what wave he was on. I don't think he was an Army Ranger, so I don't think he was on that first wave. But regardless, so they when, lost 2,000 people. When he, After he landed, it was like two or three days later, he jerked off to a French nudie magazine that he found <laughs> in the town nearby. Yeah. Were you involved in that as I well? Bet, I bet there's a part of me that is dealing that, with that trauma. Okay. There's a part of me that's on the floor in France yeah. dealing with that trauma. Yeah, of a chateau. Every jerk off that there's ever been at Malvern Prep in Philadelphia I'm in some uh, some of those locker rooms, <laughs> Villanova. I'm in a locker room. I'm on the floor in a in a in a beach house in Clearwater in St. Petersburg. I think about I like I'm I'm so obsessed about the spiritualness of things mm. that I go, but but to go back to one of the things you said, I remember when I first came to Hollywood, I had this job on this thing called the X Show. It was uh, the competition for the Man Show. It was on FX. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who was a producer on that, Michael Winter. Way that's a way long time ago. Yes, two thousand ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And so, I remember, and I remember, I, I mean, I thought fame was the thing. Like when I when I sure. when I got here, I thought fame. Well, America thinks that fame is the thing. When you ask young people yeah. what they want most of all, they want they want fame. Hence the the narcissism of social media and and, yeah. and whatnot, because fame gives you money and it gives you attention and supposedly love and uh anyways parties beautiful women i I remember ben affleck and and matt damon ben affleck had a house right by my house ben affleck don't say ben affleck ben affleck i think that's how you pronounce it ben affleck no you're thinking of bella fleck bella fleck bella fleck's the artist ben affleck's the actor ben affleck is the actor bella fleck and the fleck tones is that yeah, who you're talking about i think so yeah is that the level of fame to which you aspire yeah yeah no 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 bella Bell, no ben affleck okay ben affleck right i think you're saying it wrong can it, can we get can we get someone in here halston how do you say it Okay. Oh, like the like the okay like the you okay. I'll, I'll try it that way. Fucking idiot, Ben Affleck. But I thought I thought that was the goal is to be I've him. I've never heard anyone say Ben Affleck. But Snoop what says you... it that way. Snoop <laughs> says it that way too. Who does? Snoop. Snoop Doggy Dog. Oh, I I know who. Okay. When you say Snoop, you don't need to... <laughs> Snoop uh, Johnson. <laughs> and so Snoop I and I wanted to be that I wanted to be that the, that guy. Because yeah. I thought if you had that, then you had access. I remember I knew where he lived and I knew where Kiefer Sutherland lived. And I knew their houses. Somebody said, oh, that's, you know, Kiefer. And I, and I remember thinking inside those houses must be so much happiness. So mm. much. I remember uh, Ben, Casey's brother, um, had. Ben Affleck? Yeah, Ben Affleck had a. He's Irish. Ben Affleck. He had a, keg, a, a, a Guinness keg raider in his house. That was like the. They told me this, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" I mean, I like I, that. I was enamored by success in Hollywood because I thought it got you all the shit you wanted, like yeah. a nice car, access to parties, access to beautiful people, interesting people, and obviously money. How great would that be? So I get my first TV show. I come out to Hollywood. I'm making $5,000 a week, which at the time I'd miscalculated and thought was a million dollars a year. Okay. I just, I never focused on the math. I was like, my buddy's like, you're a millionaire. And I was like, I'm a millionaire. So I have a nice car. I'm listening to, uh, to, uh, Ja Rule's new album, which was a banger. Mm-hmm. I have a Jason Williams jersey on. It's, it's the beginning Jason of Jason Williams, Miami or Jason Williams, uh, Sacramento? Jason Williams, Sacramento. Okay. Yeah. And, 
it's the beginning of winter in LA where it's like nice and breezy and cold and good air, fresh. I'm driving down Franklin, such a beautiful street. Yeah. I'm going to work. I'm listening to music in my, I had a, an expedition, a great truck. And I'm sitting at the light and I go, hmm, I thought I'd be happy. Right. I was like, this is the path. I'm on the right path. Right. I thought that it's so funny. I'm not really that happy right now. And I remember going like, am I not looking? Am I not identifying it? And I was like, no, it's not here. And I was like, I got all the trappings of yeah. what I thought happiness was. And anyone in America that you would talk to like, hey, would you like to be on a TV show making $5,000 a week in a Ford Expedition driving down Franklin in living Los in Angeles? Frank, living, living in uh, Cecil B. DeMille's old house? Yeah. And would you be happy? Everyone would be like, fuck, I would be so happy in yeah. that situation. Yeah. So uh, one thing I was getting at before is I, my mom took off, left me and my dad when I was about a year and a half. So that'll fuck you up on some deep level. I've been doing a lot of therapy around that. But anyways, putting that aside, I've always here. felt not enough and I've always felt unlovable and unlikable. And that's always been, and I think for a lot of comedy folks, that essential primal wound and yeah. drives that ability, to, that need to kind of be like, hey, look at me, do you like me? So when I got famous for Dwight and people all of a sudden were like grabbing me and going, I love you, I love you. Like it is this weird, fame is this weird thing that really mess, can mess you up if you haven't done the work. And I, it has taken me a long time to kind of like, I don't really care now if people say that they love me or they don't love me or if they're mad at me. And I'm always getting in trouble on Twitter and whatnot. And they're pissed at me like, oh, fuck you. And, you know, um, I don't really care. I've worked really hard to kind of love and know myself and, and do my work and be on the right path. But that is, that'll, that'll mess with you too, you oh, know? Yeah. So that essential, like, disconnect <laughs> that imbalance of, um, I'm not lovable. Um, did you have that as oh, well? Yeah, the... yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm not good enough is the, it's, it should be the name of my tour. It's the reason I work so hard. I love that. That I, should be the name of your next tour. That's yeah, hysterical. I, I literally, I'm, I will always say that I'm not as talented as, as Tom, and, and Tom Segura. I'm more talented than him, but I'm, I, Dude, I run circles Tom, around him. <laughs> Tom is, He's smarter than you. No, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's smarter than... Uh, he's not listen. as like... He doesn't have the the roly-poly, big-hearted, all-American-ness that you have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's shrewd. Yes. He's, he's shrewd. shrewd. He's a good businessman. Like, I'll, I'll be very candid. If, if Tom and I are good business partners because Tom creatively lives on an island. Okay. And I... I'm consistently swimming away from that island and finding problems to get into. Okay. So like, I'm not a great businessman. If you look at the way I run a business, if you went to Tom's studio, he has a warehouse that he has rented out that he has, that looks like a television studio. There's a receptionist. There's a CEO. There's Tom. He's got, he's got a, like every, he's got a women's room and a men's room. You come to this place and you're like, wait, do you live here? Wait, is someone making lunch? Holy shit. Is there dogs in this house? Like this is the exact opposite. This is our, both of our business minds. That's funny. Uh, but with, like creatively, 
uh, Tom and I make good business partners because there are times where I'll say to Tom stuff like, no, you should, we should start a racing company. And he's like, we don't know anything about, don't worry about the business of this. Let's just do it. And he's like, well, hold on. And then he'll figure out that side. And then I'll just start buying race cars. <laughs> and like, and like uh, two bear sports management is a perfect example. Uh, I said, we need to start a sports management company. And he was like, for what? And I said, start signing our, we'll sign clients. And we'll represent them. We'll blow them up on social media. We'll blow them up on our podcast. We'll help them sell merch. We'll help them bring ancillary incomes in. Oh my but God. more importantly, I go, we, they're fucking, the con- contracts negotiate themselves. Like we, We're only getting 3%. That's not our, our fucking money. And then the NCAA opens up agencies to college students. And right. Tom's like, why the fuck didn't I listen to you? Barstool starts a sports management company, makes millions. Oh my God. So yeah, so, like, so that's where Tom... Tom says, if we were on a yeah, chat but thread. he's so funny. He's, well, once again, if he wrote his own material, I would agree. But when he has, he gets young Latino kids to write his material for him that are Peruvian. Because wow. he's not even Peruvian. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, his mom went, went there on spring break one year and then picked up this accent because she had a stroke. And so she has this accent. Oh, she had that, yeah, that the thing that he jokes up. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. But yeah, if, if Tom will say, I forget who we were texting the other day. Oh, he was, we were talking to Adriana Chechik, porn star. You don't know who she is? Don't. Oh, yeah. that's, that's how you know he's a good person. Well, yeah, I've, porn has been one of the things I struggled with for a while, and I've I've put that <laughs> way in the rearview mirror. I don't even look at it as a struggle. I look at it as a bit like, I, I, I uh, this, that's a bad analogy. I was about to make a Martin Luther King analogy. It's probably not the best time to make don't one. Don't do that. Don't yeah. do that, Bert. No, I look at, uh, I don't have a problem with porn, but I don't, I don't jerk off to people I've ever met anymore. So, which. You could jerk off to me if you wanted. I like that. What does your wife think about you jerking off to? I think she goes great. Strange, like Romanian girls that are probably in the <laughs> sex enslaved by oh, Andrew let's not Tate get into their backstory. and stuff like that. Andrew Tate. Uh, no, I, I, I don't. That's not my my jam. I'm an English speaker, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I like a good English speaker. I like uh, that gets you. Oh, oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah, oh, speak. Uh, uh, oh, be articulate. Yeah. Oh yeah, way to be. You smart. Words I don't understand. Oh, yeah, <laughs> speaking an accent. Oh, <laughs> oh a Canadian accent. Okay, oh. I know you're doing this from your free will. If you're talking like this, no, uh, no. Porn is something that I find. I'll, it'll show up in my life every now and then, but it's not there often. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's, but you know, I try and put everything out of my life that I can use to. To medicate because I'm a, oh, have a, a very addictive. Life. I have a very addictive personality. I know. I know because I've heard you and 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 Tom and Rogan talk about this Do you listen and to stuff Rogan? like that. I, sometimes, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, would I never... can't listen to his two and a half hour podcast, but I listen yeah. to some of the, the some smaller of the breakdowns and stuff like that. You seem like someone who would get get along very well with Joe. Oh, like yeah. You guys have very, very similar brains. Yeah, yeah. I I admire him a lot. There's a lot of things I I really disagree with him on but um uh but uh by the way you don't even know him <laughs> where do you get to know him <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> jesus christ i got full the of stuff he boat. doesn't share i got full of boot with that shit <laughs> yeah, okay my god but basically i have tried to put out of my life anything that uh i can possibly use to to medicate and that and there's healthy medication and unhealthy medication for me alcohol Porn is unhealthy medication. So you do not drink at all escape. anymore? I don't drink. Yeah. That's I have, great. How long has that been? It's been 20 years. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. That's why you look so good. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know about that. I look weird. No, you, I look got, like got, a, you got good skin. I look like a cave It's the first dweller. thing I noticed. I have good skin? Yeah. That's the first thing you noticed? That's the first thing. Well, actually, well, the first thing I noticed was that you weren't 6'7". Yeah. They weren't 6'7". He's not as tall as I thought he was. And the beautiful thing, skin. Beautiful skin. You have great skin. Hell, I have a little pimple right here. No, no. I mean, I meant like the the healthier skin. Sometimes when you see dudes our age that drink all the time, yeah, you, they'll have like ruptured blood vessels in their nose. Oh, that's true. And like you'll see like yeah, aging. Yeah, you do see I'm that. always looking at my face yeah. to go like, that's my canary in the mine. Right. So I found that it doesn't work for me, that I can't escape the pain of being alive and the discomfort of feeling unlovable by using alcohol or porn or food or shopping or gambling or... Shopping's a good one. That's Tom's addiction. Oh, really? Fucking Tom. Dude. He buys new Porsches every month. What? Yeah. How rich are you? Are you guys like... You're like... Because I'm pretty well off from the yeah. office, but you guys are like, you're like new. This is new money. Well, I can tell you exactly this how much. This is new I, podcast I mean, money. I'll tell you exactly how much money Tom has. I am Tom in the wrong has. business. I need to get a house with a. Tom's very shrewd, man. His podcast does very, very well. He's, his Your Mom's House, Two Bears, does very, very well. He's starting podcast. He's a podcast with Danny, Danny Brown, Dr. Drew. He's starting one with the Soprano kids. He's Tom is a podcast networker, um, and I, and he's. And he's built, trying to build out into more of a media company. I just do the things for me. Like I'm not, I, yeah. I, I do my podcast, my cooking show, my wife's podcast. We do this thing called open tabs. And then we do my content surrounding like my my movies and my, we do, we kind of run the business around that too. That's but so like, awesome. But, That's really great. It's really admirable. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, Tom and Tom and Tom makes an astounding amount of money on the road. A little bit less than me, but astounding amount of money. <laughs> I mean, it just it's just on. It's you can Google it. Um, the uh, the by the way, this is going to be the one. To, Pod, Tom's going to go. Why didn't you have him on two bears? You got to do two, two bears with Tom. I, can I do it? Do it with, with just that, Tom. Can, can just we just do it have, with just Tom? Yeah, just me and Tom and yeah. two bears. Yeah, and you can do it, and you'll do it, and you can do it. And uh, are you ever go to Austin? I'll go to Austin. Yeah, go to Austin Tom. and do two bears. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> He's going to love this. I would love to meet him. He's, have you never met Tom? No. Fucking very God, short. He wears he lifts really... in his shoes to make himself a little taller. Wow. Yeah. It's it's weird, but you but don't notice so... it. You notice him at first. You're like, huh. He's funny, though. It's a lot. Of, that's he's... not a lot of body, but a lot of shoe. <laughs> but, yeah. Has he had those operations on the lower leg where you get a couple inches, extra inches out of your bones? Well, I don't know. He's so into cosmetic surgery right now. He probably will. Yeah. Right now. Right he's now. Go there. Right, you know, swear to God, I'm not even fucking around about this one. He had one of those mouth guards, and it changed the shape of his jaw. Yeah, and he had to get. Now he's getting uh, Invisalign to fix his teeth. Oh wow! Yeah, and now Tom has Invisalign. Mine has changed the my jaw a little bit. I used to. be I would little, love to have a better jawline. I, I have a slightly better jawline from it. I, tell, I sleep like a. I sleep like an angel. I really do I sleep want that like number. a little cradled angel. I sleep like a baby. Leanne has to put socks over my hands because I'll cut my face. <laughs> Fantastic. Tom wouldn't tell you that. <laughs> Tom. You really never met Tom? I've never met Tom. Have you watched his specials? Yeah, I watched mostly all his specials. Or what's it called? Mostly sleepy. Mostly mostly snoring. Mostly snoring is one of them. Right, right. Um, Snooze Fest. He's got yeah. a new one coming out <laughs> yeah, called, yeah. called, uh, <laughs> called You've Heard This Before. I Just Tell It Different and Wear Something Different Than This. <laughs> the, <laughs> um. No, I love Tom. I have to say that because fucking sometimes idiots go, he's being serious. He's being fucking serious. Um, so wait, 
What did you see? What was the first thing you saw Tom in? To stand up or podcast? Honestly, the first thing I ever saw him in was a Netflix special. Yeah. Mostly and then stories. I was like, I don't know which one it was. It was because some of his are better than others of his. Because this first one I saw laid me out. I forget which one it Mostly was. Most stories. And that was a that was a breakout fucking special. It laid me out, and I was so I started YouTube, and then it gets in my YouTube algorithm yeah. you know, of like what I watched. So he would like pop up, and then you guys would pop up, yeah. and then I watched his other specials, and they were, weren't some great sections, but those are the ones. Whatever that first yeah. one. Oh, there, there's his whole. God, look at him. He's handsome. <coughs> well, so he, funny. He was when he looked like he was. That was when he was like a regular approachable guy. Now he's a Hollywood elite. Right. And totally. he's, got, he's plastic Latte surgery. sipping. Latte loves fucking lattes. Yeah, Tesla driving. No, no, no. Porsches once a month. Every gets to get a brand new one every month. That's crazy. And shipped in from Germany. Rolexes. Guy, the, guy, the guy would love to have one more arm. He's got. <laughs> you cannot hang out with him without buying a Rolex. That's hysterical. Yeah. I don't even own a watch. He's, you know, what's so funny is uh, you and him would get along very well because you have my energy okay. and you guys would get along very well, <laughs> very fucking well. I love it. There's certain people that I go, Tom, I can. Would he would, gift me a Rolex? Yeah. Would he gift me? This is what all you have to do. A $17,000 Rolex. This is, what, this is what all you have to do. When you do two bears. Okay. Very casually go, oh, what is that? And I'll be like, oh, it's Rolex. I'll be like, wow, I wish I had one of those. And then God, I've never had, a, I've never owned a Rolex. For real? Yeah. For real? Th that is for real. I've never owned one, but that was me oh, acting. Oh, God. Wow, See, you're good. Wow, you're that good. That was me acting being on Two Bears. Yeah. Fuck, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Good. Yeah. I've never owned a Rolex. And Has then, anyone worn a bear outfit on Two Bears? Uh, no. I don't think so. I would do that. I would go there. Uh, you, I just by want the way. my face, my cute face showing in the middle of it. Um, I think we could, I think, yeah, you should, I, well, I'm going to set you and Tom up. Okay. I'm going to start a chat thread right now. Okay, let's and do we'll it. send each other our morning gratitudes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm Tom's, grateful for Tom Segura's genius. And then he'll write, I'm grateful for the Nazis that created Porsche. <laughs> and then I'll write back. I'm just grateful for Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to set you guys up. The best is, uh. When you, when I get into a chat thread with Tom and a celebrity, because like it's like Tom, I'm trying to think of the exact right way to say this, but like, so sometimes like I don't mind going. I don't like Tom's cool. Like he's cooler than I am. Like he's cool, right? So if Tom meets you, he's like, "It's good meeting you," and then I'll leave. And then, but he's also a regular person. I'd be like, "Fuck, I should have gotten his number." And I don't mind going. Hey, man, give me your number. Like I just I'm a little more. Yeah, I'm yeah, a little more yeah. like that. So the best was. uh he goes, hey, can you can you give me Aaron Rodgers' number? And I was like, gee, buddy, I don't know if I can do that. He's like one of my friends. And and he had met Aaron Rodgers. He's like, don't be a fucking dick. Just give me his number. And I was like, okay, I will. And then I waited until we're on two bears. And then I was like, oh, hold on. Hey, Aaron, this is my friend Tom. He wants your number. And he's like, don't do that. Don't fucking do that. Don't do that. And I sent it. And it was fucking hilarious. It was hilarious. That's yeah, Tom's funny. slick. He's Anytime I have a bad celebrity interaction... Like, I go to him and go, hey, man, how am I supposed to handle this? Because he's what good a, at, like... What is a bad celebrity? Oh, what does that look fucking, like? They happen a lot. Where I say, like, I don't know, like, I talk shit about someone on a podcast, or I'll say something, like, I'll say something flippantly, like, I, I don't really even mean it. Right. Or I won't finish the statement, and then they'll hit me up and be like, yo, I'm a fan, and then I'm like, and then I just send a DM to Tom, I go, how do I handle this? And he's like, emojis. 
Like fucking Tom's a good emoji guy. I'd be like, no emojis. Just fucking tell him you're a fan too. Invite him to a show. Yeah. Like he's very slick. You know who else is good at that? Who? Ben Affleck. Have you ever met him? Who's the most famous person you know? Because you might be the most famous person I know right now. Get out. Yeah. What are you talking about? Think, well, I know, uh, you know Aaron Rodgers? Oh, I know Aaron Rodgers, yeah. What are you yeah, talking about? D- no, Dwight but, okay, from The hold Office? On, hold on. Dwight hold on. from The Office is the most famous person you know? You're sad. No, I know. That's pathetic. Well, yeah, but I don't think like, oh, I guess I know Rogan. Rogan's pretty fucking famous, yeah. He's yeah, but I don't, I'm not good at that. famous. Yeah. All right, so who's your most famous? Most famous person like that you that you could text right now? Um. Well, Steve Carell. Oh, he's pretty John Krasinski. Big. Who's that? Yeah. Um, well, we talked shit about John Krasinski once, I think. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. but not in a bad way. I think we he were complimentary. His oh no, here's I just what did a is. show with Brie Larson. I have Brie Larson. Pretty James badass. Gunn. Oh, I like uh, him. He's a director, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't have super famous. I, I have a funny list of celebrities in my phone. Like I have, I was looking the other day and I was like, Wolf Blitzer. I was like, Wolf Blitzer. I have Wolf Blitzer's email. Shut the fuck How up. How did that happen? Aaron Rodgers is the first number in my phone because it's A-A-R-O-N. Okay. Which was smart for his parents. Okay. I don't think they foresaw cell phones coming out. Um, yeah. I got I, Will Smith. I got Elliot Gould. Wow. That's good. I got... Uh, I got Bradley Cooper. I used to have Bradley Cooper. I'll get you his. Um, the uh, I got Rogan. I got Segura. I mean, I Jack Black. That's a Would good he one. Count? Would, I, um, I don't have Kevin Hart. I don't have Kevin Hart. I, Will Ferrell. Do you have him? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, your phone's insane. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting question, isn't What's, it? Sorry, now I'm going to thumb through my phone. This is the most boring podcast. I got a text from John Fogarty the other day. What? Yeah, that was pretty fucking big. That's nuts. That was really big. That was really big. And because like I'm a, I'm a huge CCR fan, like huge. Like when the so the day, uh, the day. Do you cry a lot? <laughs> I've been crying a uh, lot lately. That's that's really good. It's very healthy. I was speaking to this. Uh, uh, speaking of happiness, this guy, Arthur Brooks, this brilliant dude from uh, Harvard University, you should have him on, on your show. Uh, done. Someone book Ar- Arthur, Arthur Brooks. Brooks. I'll connect you if you want. Please. Um, he's, a, he's a happiness expert writing a book on happiness with Oprah right now. Wow. He's a really down dude, super smart, canny uh, guy. And he was saying that crying increases uh, happiness. Uh, and it's something to do with like, physiologically but expelling the grief and then allowing uh hope in and whatnot so that's great i cry a lot why were you crying what are you crying about i cry i don't know i'm very easy to cry but it's not a sad cry it's a connecting with the universe cry that's amazing um that's so great well yeah but i wish i could do that i'm not i'm not there i got uh i did i didn't realize i was do how much i was doing it yeah uh until I, i did logan paul's podcast and he was like and you could tell he Logan was trying Paul to will make you cry. He was trying to get me get me to cry. I could tell he was I could feel okay. him tugging yeah. at my heartstrings. Yeah. And uh and I was like, and then I was and then I said to one of the people you met downstairs, I said, oh, is he trying to get me to cry? And they're like, Yeah, you're known to cry really easy. I go, I do. And then someone's like, Bert, you're, you cry at almost all your shows. I like when I if I get a standing ovation in an arena, it's overwhelming. Like when fifteen thousand people stand up at the same time. Wow! It, I, yeah. I I cry every fucking time. Boston yeah. Garden was the one that it was like the first time it happened, and I went and it went 
Gouge. And then once you start crying, then every, I could cry telling you this story. Like that's how, but I'm, I don't know. It's not like a sadness. I'm not crying out of sadness. It's out of like an appreciation kind of like, uh, this, I, I, I cried on a podcast. Some guy asked what I wanted to be known for. And I said, I'm going to skate through this so that I don't get emotional. But I just want people to, when I'm gone to go, Oh, I wish Bert was here. Like I wish it would have been more fun if Bert was here. That would have been fun. Like tonight was great, right? But man, Bert would have made it more fun. Then I, and I bawled crying doing that. And Chris DeStefano sold out Radio City Music Hall. And I cried when I found out. So I was like, how cool. You grew up in New York and you sold out Radio City Music Hall. And, and then me and Chris DeStefano have a big fucking clip about being dads. That, I mean, if I talk about being a dad, I just get real mm, emotional. Mm, mm. But... That's beautiful. Yeah, but I cry. I've, I've been finding that I cry very easily lately. Yeah. Like I can, um, I listen to, oh, I can feel when it starts to happen. I love that. I, I can listen to the loadout. Uh, uh, Jackson Brown. If I listen to the loadout, you can see it's happening right now. What the fuck is wrong with me? Can you play that, please? No, don't play the fucking loadout. Hey, Hawthorne. Don't play the fucking loadout. Hawthorne, play it. <laughs> Hawthorne. <laughs> play the lowdown now now oh my god play it now make it happen Three. Oh. this is faster I mean, if you it. are if you are if you are a touring if you're a touring comic or a touring musician and you're doing if you don't hear this song and ball Oh, I love this song. It's the fucking best goddamn song. Now the seats are all empty. Let the roadies take the stage. Wow. Pack it up until it down. They're the first to come and the last to leave. Work out for that minimum wage They'll set it up in another town Tonight the people were so fine They waited there in line When they got up on their feet If you think about the all show. the dudes, all those roadies backstage listening to this <laughs> I just go excited. That's when you get off when you get off stage in an arena, they're all waiting for you. They're all waiting saying the second you're done, they, they come on. And the, and all those dudes are backstage right now. Just hard dudes, tatted up, just I, I it's making me very emotional. Roll them cases out and lift them All them trusses down when it comes to moving me, you Chance. When that last guitar's been packed away, you know I still want to play. So just make sure you got it all set to go before you come for this piano. This I got. I'm gonna fucking. I got. I got to stop listening. Hey to this. Hawthorne, <laughs> look up. Um, so I'll cry now. Look oh, yeah. up uh, Robert Wilson interview, Abstract Painter. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's cry. 
I listened to that. We played that at the party. This is right my after dad. I, this is my dad who. Died oh, this is two your dad. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, I started seriously thinking of becoming a painter when I was about eighteen. I uh, saw an article in Time magazine uh, about that time. It was a, uh, I believe, January 1960, January 11th edition. And it had some photographs of paintings by Frank Stella, who was just a young artist in New York at the time. He was uh, under 30 years old. And uh, I remember seeing those paintings, never seeing anything like that before. And it suddenly just flashed through my mind that art was idea. That you could convey ideas through painting. It wasn't just limited to images. It was a real personal discovery for me at the time. That's what uh, sort of set me on my path. See, um, I cried a little bit. I cried about one-tenth as much to the image of my dead father as you cried to Jackson Brown's <laughs> music, which is pretty pathetic. No, what your dad said at the beginning made me cry. A true revolutionary doesn't fight against the status quo. They fight within themselves. Yeah. That yeah. is fucking brilliant. Yeah. That he is was, brilliant. He was a very wise man. I, I really I've, I've, a lot. I've, I've consistently, consistently felt that and not know how to articulate that where I go, I am, I am, I genuinely am a shake up the system guy, yeah. but I, I do it within me because I go, Hold on, when you're feeling this, why are you feeling this? We, this, you're wrong. Like I, my dad instilled that in me that whenever I had an idea, he'd challenge it, and he forced me to challenge every one of my ideas. It was a brilliant statement your dad made. Hmm. Hmm. God, you're really lucky to have him as a dad. Yeah, I miss him a lot. That stinks. I miss him a lot. I really do. I dedicated this book to him. I said. Uh, for my dad, Robert Wilson, thanks for teaching me about the soul. And it makes so much sense why you are the dude you are now. Well, can you plug my fucking happiness show on Peacock? <laughs> <laughs> no one watches Peacock. We got to get some eyeballs over there. Oh. We got to get some eyeballs over there, please. Oh, you are so good. Bert, make it you happen. You are so good. Or you are so good. You're, you're so much better in person than you are on TV. You're my second favorite bear, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I've been, I've been crying. I've been coughing. Everything's trying yeah. to get out of my body. Yeah. You want me to jerk you off? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. This is true happiness, everyone. <laughs> I'm on so much testosterone. My loads are coming out like steam. Just <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're nothing. Last time, last time I had sex with Leanne, she looked at my load. And she goes, "Well, that was good." And I was like, "That's not you're supposed to hear. That's not. It's like you birthed a baby." Yeah. My wife uh, was. <clears throat> we were slated to have sex because that's what we happened. Were slated later. to have sex. Well, because we were on the road on my son's college tour and we had a room to ourselves, and then she got the fucking flu. Oh God! So 
you know. You can still have sex. You just practice safe sex. I just. Doggy style. So they cough into the wall. She felt like shit. And I just did my thing right there with her. And it all was win-win. It's win-win. I took good care of her and brought her soup and stuff like that. Uh, Yeah. The name of what's What is the name of your show? I just watched it. The Geography of Bliss. It's it's such a brilliant concept of a show. Peacock. It's beautifully shot. Where they're showing The Office. On the Peacock Network. Geography, Rain Wilson and the Geography of Bliss. It's so good. It's it's such an interesting show, and and it and it and it and like I like your your father said, it is it, the battle of the show is within itself because when it does talk about happiness, it then says yeah. seasonal depression happens more likely in, in Iceland than anywhere else, and that half the population is on antidepressants. And you're like, well, wait, I thought this was the happiest place. Well, yeah. so it really is investigatory. It's be- like I said, it's beautifully shot. If somebody did shows like that, it is. It, it it especially maybe it's just Iceland, but that looked like uh, Walter Mitty. Like it was a gorgeous. You had yeah. gorgeous drone shots, and and your hosting is. I mean, not no one. No, this isn't a surprise to anyone. But you're oh. a very natural host. You're very. Oh, thanks, man. But uh, here's I like I like to think of it as like the, <coughs> I'm the Anthony Bourdain of happiness. Not food, but happiness. That's a oh wow. So, that's a fucking. That's a yeah. cool moniker, and and you you did a great job on it. It's it's really enjoyable, and and. Here's the deal. Obviously, everyone's gonna go to Peacock and watch The Office. It is happiness adjacent. If you're ha- if you're in a good mood, right, then go. Hey, man, let's just Office continue warms you up a little bit, yeah. then slip over there. Perfect. And uh, and I'm telling you, I, I I'm be curious to see. I, I I think you're awesome, man. I hope that you can come back and do another one of these anytime you ever want. I'll set you up with tomorrow. Tom. Oh, I wish. I wish I was here. I'm going to one of the happiest places in the world, Sydney, Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never been to Australia. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Oh, I really want to go. Yeah, it's uh, Australia is pretty amazing. New Zealand's yeah. where I go first, and New Zealand is I was I shot a movie in New Zealand. It was beautiful. I love New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand's yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. But, Rain, thank you very much for hey, doing this. Hey, thank you for having me. It was great crying with you, laughing with you, talking about, look at what we did together. We did a lot. This I is... wouldn't be shocked if we got a potty. It's a podcast award. Really? I don't know if that's a thing, but that they thing? should they should call them potties. Yeah. And they give you a little porta potty. A golden mic. A golden mic. Um Hey, what's your podcast? You have a podcast. Uh a metaphysical milkshake. It's on a hold right now. It's talking about life's biggest questions with uh Reza Aslan, the co-host. But there's like 60 great episodes out there with some really deep concepts that we do you know, dig d- into. Do you know Duncan Trussell's? Yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. And you and him should sit down and have a talk. Oh, cuz you guys have idea. you guys are very similar energies. Oh, okay. And and I, and and uh he's I, I I this is my only I remember one time I was doing a podcast with him. This is old school back when you just did audios. Yeah. And I I was I started I was overwhelmed. I had a book coming out or something. I was overwhelmed and I and he could see that I was just jam packing everything in too much and he was like, "Hey, man, What's going on? You looked a little anxious. I saw him having a panic attack. And he was like, can I just, can I take you through a, like a 15-minute guided meditation? Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, right now? And he was yeah. like, yeah. Hey, if anyone's feeling stressed out, just sit down and listen to this guided meditation. And then he took me through a 15-minute guided meditation. It was awesome. And then we came out. He has the most brilliant conversations. Mm. He is so smart. He's one of my favorite human beings. And and being around you is a lot like being around him. Very thoughtful, uh, dare I say, sensitive dudes who don't mind uh, sharing and talking about like, you know, not every, some guys are yeah. closed off. Some guys like Tom are dead inside and mm. he'll just take mushrooms and figure it out. But right. 
But uh, but when you're in Austin, so he's down funny, in Austin. Though. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, if you could hook that up, though, with the, I'll set, I'm going to set it all up. Yeah. I'm going to set it all up. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, thank you. This has been, uh, I've been watching you for years. I'm a huge fan. And uh, I've never seen any of your actual comedy specials. Oh, yeah. Well, they're good. Um, But uh, Tom, Everyone, Tom speaks very highly of you. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so really, I'm so happy to be here. But um, yeah, Fuck yeah. Good. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Three bears, one cave. <laughs> Three bears. <laughs> No, you know you got. You're, you're very strong up here. You're I'm, very I'm, strong. I'm very, I lift a lot of weights. Yeah, you could. Yeah. If you got me in a headlock, I'd be dead. <laughs> I have a hard time. I, okay, did you get all that? Okay. Good. <laughs> I've got little brother energy though. Oh, what's up? So it's like it's like play, play, and play until something real happens, and then I fucking turn into a lunatic, and everyone's like, whoa, 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 we're just fucking around. Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't. No, it touches me there. <laughs> This episode was brought to you by The Machine.